community of members, coaches, and professionals working as a team of like-minded individuals in constant pursuit. Connecting this exclusive group with the tools and resources they require to live a high-performance lifestyle, conquering what life has thrown at them. We are Living the Fit Life. Welcome to the Living the Fit Life podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, Chad Mueller, and I'm sitting down mono a mono one-on-one with Dr. Kyle Simpson. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, last time I think we had you on the podcast was like way back in like episode seven, I think. Um, yeah, now we're getting pretty close Somewhere to 30. Yeah, now we're at like 30. So it's been pretty cool. Uh, I think at the original, we mm-hmm. sat down, we talked about proactive recovery. Uh, we had Adam on. We went through some of the recovery modalities that you recommend, um, which was a really good episode. And uh, today we wanted to dive into sort of like common obstacles and sort of setbacks and injuries that we all sort of, I guess we'll get into defining what an injury is, but, you know, setbacks or roadblocks and and sort of how to overcome them. I have a personal story about them. I'm sure you have a story about them. So I thought, thought it'd be cool to bring you the doc uh, on to kind of help us figure out how to overcome them. And if you have any recommendations on, you know, how do you kind of navigate that journey? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll, uh, It'll be good because I think in the LP community and in the fitness community at large, there's a lot of um, fear over, you know, pain and injury and, and what to do and how to navigate that. Um, so I think we can hopefully go through a few things, talk about injuries and setbacks and um, hopefully clear the air a little bit and put the, you know, maybe people's minds at ease at some situations or, or maybe let them know and figure out when they should seek care or when they should seek guidance. So I think it'll be good. Cool. Cool. And how's, uh, How's your training been going on? How's how's summer for Doc Kyle going? It's uh, endurance summer, that's for sure. It's uh, it's going good. You know, I I I love like the the high functional movement stuff. Like I love like the bar work and the gymnastics work and that like specialty work. But this has been a really cool uh, training break for me. Like I've never been good at endurance my whole life, and I made excuses like, oh, you're a hockey player or you're this or that, and you you don't need to work for those long periods, like just work on that short anaerobic system, you know, like short and fast, get it over with. And I think it's cause I was just afraid. Like I, I really wasn't really ever somebody who took two endurance sports because I was like, man, like 10 Ks, that sounds crazy. Or like a 30 K bike. That sounds nuts. And it was a rocky start at first, but like I started last summer biking and, and I'd been running for a few years, but getting into like more consistent routine and programming. Um, and it's been, it's been a really eye opener, eye opening experience, sorry, um, diving more into like the mental side of performance too, like physically for sure. But, uh, it's been a really good, like mental eye opener to figure out where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are, like, where do I feel like that line is and how far can I push that bubble and, and push my performance? So it's been a nice way to, to test my body and my mind in a, in a different capacity. So it's, it's been a good break. Yeah. How about you? How's your, your training going? Uh, my my training is going uh, my training is going well um i can't complain i'm not doing the endurance stuff um but i guess another specialty of sort of rotational and, and sort of unilateral training but which has been kind of fun and it actually kind of touches upon some of the stuff that we might talk about today because i've done unilateral training previously to kind of also help me get through an injury um but i did want to ask you a question because you were talking about sort of time and i think we i talked about this with i think adam at one point now that you're jumping in endurance, 
what's more painful, like an hour long VO2 bike. I don't know if that's, that's even a thing versus like a five minute or a six minute, like thruster burpee workout for the CrossFit open. So I, yeah, I'm still not good with the lingo. So coach Mark, you can excuse me. I know me he's going to hate me right now for saying this. <laughs> you know, it's different. I, so thruster burpee, I hate thrusters or any sort of like short, like, you know, yeah. high Metcon yeah. type piece. Um, it's a different kind of burn, you know, like those are the, like you could do like that, you know, like that acid bath workout, so yeah. short workout or something like that, but you have like that, <clears throat> like that cough uh-huh. all day long. Right. So, or, I mean, if you, if you go like for a longer endurance workout, but it's like at threshold or something like that, it's painful in a different way. For me, it's like keeping the mind, like my, my brain just kind of goes when I'm, I'm running and stuff like that. And I get bored and, and kind of annoyed with long distance stuff. So it's about keeping focused on like form and technique, I think for me over a longer mm. period. So it, it hurts in a different way. It's not as like grip it and rip it kind of thing mm-hmm. and just get it over with. Um, some situations that were like the, the time trial we did last weekend was just kind of like hang on and go. Um, which that is a very similar stimulus, I'd say, but it's, it's a different feeling in terms of which one sucks more. I, I think like a 5k time trial that we did a, a couple weeks ago. Um, that was, that was probably one of the gnarliest things that I've done in recent years on like the lungs and the legs. So I, I would say the endurance stuff hurts as much, if not more in some situations, but on a day to day basis, I would say like, not all the workouts are like that. There's a lot of workouts that you're doing some easy intervals in between high speed or high intensity intervals. So on a global scale, the workload might seem actually a little bit gentler um, mm-hmm, than some mm-hmm. CrossFit workouts, but yeah, very different, but both great. Cool. That's a good, good answer. I was actually Long talking answer, to, sorry, but... no, 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 it's good. I was talking to Mark uh, the other day and I, and I brought up acid bath and I'm like, mm-hmm. I bet Mark would crush that. Like, I, I wonder if and, an endurance uh, athlete that doesn't, I mean, it's a row, a ski, and a bike in the CrossFit world. Um, Mark probably isn't very technical with a row or a ski erg, but the, the the endurance side of things would obviously be an advantage. So I'd be curious to see, like, you know, how that works. Um, I love I love how we cross over these different sports. I, I really enjoy kind of talking to different people, and, I, and I'm super impressed by all the people, including yourself, jumping into these new worlds. It's very cool. Thanks, man. Well, same with you with golf and everything. Like you're really, uh, like, it's cool to see like the pandemic's been crappy for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but it's neat to see people find, um, different avenues and opportunities to pursue and, and push their physical boundaries and what they're comfortable or think that they're capable of. So it's been, it's been cool to see that. Cause you see a lot of people who myself, like endurance was never a big thing for me or, um, you know, people who maybe didn't really ever have the desire to work out on a regular basis and they get into like a workout routine from home or, you with with golf um now things are open back up again so it's it's really cool to see people kind of pursuing that kind of stuff yeah i totally agree it's it's been a common theme and i think it it's uh, i remember a few few years ago i had a uh an uh a trainer that i used to work with and he told me like while i was being while i was sort of injured he's just like just embrace something new like you're injured you can't do what you're normally able to do so just embrace something new and it's okay because it might teach you something, right? And this is exactly what you said. Like COVID is doing that for a lot of people in a very general way. So it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe is a good segue to kind of get started on sort of our, our topic today. So like maybe I think the first question that we should probably get your sort of opinion on and sort of your definition on is like sort of what would you sort of, you know, like 
defining an injury versus sort of defining a setback. Like what is an injury? Is there levels of it? Um, like what's a good definition of it? So we have sort of a common language here. Okay. So I was going to pull up the definition, like the Miriam Webster de definition of an injury. Cause I thought that'd be kind of hilarious. Um, Cause I actually don't know what it, they say. According to the dictionary, it's a hurt damage or loss sustained to the human body. Um, doesn't really give you much info there. Um, I thought that would been cool. Wasn't that cool? So, okay. So, uh, so what, what, how would I define an injury then is what you're saying, Chad? Yeah. I would define an injury as anything that happens to your body or occurs with your body that prevents it from functioning in the intended way or form that it has in the past. So anything either internal or external acting upon you that causes your body to work or act in a different way is kind of how I'd sum that up. Okay. Makes sense. What are, makes your, sense. What are your thoughts on that? Does that jive with what, what you would think an injury is? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, so I think everyone, whether you're a physical, sort of a, a high performing athlete or you know, an, a weekend warrior, everyone's kind of gone through an injury of some sort, right? Whether it's, and I guess that's the thing, like, is it an injury or is there just common aches and pains, you know, different things like that. So like, I think like, you know, not everyone just says I'm injured, right? You don't like, I guess one of the things is like, do you go to a doctor and all of a sudden they say, this is an injury. It's, you know, like for some people to even go to a doctor or some, a practitioner like yourself, like there's aches and pains that we kind of live with. Right. And sometimes right. those are, are significant enough to kind of keep us from doing the things we want to, but then there's obviously injuries that might be really like hard to diagnose from like, you know, from our perspective without having a practitioner. Right. So right. that was kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out like what is what. So I think your definition hits, hits the hits the right sort of definition for me at least as you say i think it's important to uh distinguish like the difference between like in the fitness community it a lot of times our bodies are sore because of what we put it through and i think what we do with our bodies in a physical way now through exercise is kind of like future proofing right like you're trying to work on your body now so that when and as you get older it allows you to function and do the things you want to do throughout your health uh, throughout your life sorry and, and age well so I think it's important to distinguish like DOMS, like delayed onset muscle soreness you get with routine exercise versus like what's like a little sort of setback type injury or like a little speed bump. And then what's like a, like a big injury, like something we got to like get the red flags out and kind of pause things. You know what I mean? Yeah, for so sure. That, that would be, uh, I don't know if you want to go into that or if you want to. Yeah, we can, we can jump into it a little bit. I, I kind of wanted to ask also like, because you probably see a lot of different people and I mean, our audience in our community is very much not sport specific, right? We have a lot of listeners that are in the endurance and, and crossfit that we talked about, like hockey players, golfers, all, all kinds of different uh, athletes or people practicing athletics. Um, what are some of the like most common issues that you see through, through like your doors, right? Not specific to a sport, but just like, what are some of the common issues that you kind of see on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So obviously being a chiropractor, we're kind of known for like being experts in spinal health. Um, so without a doubt, spinal complaints, whether that's neck pain, low back pain, uh, postural pain from, you know, sitting, working from home, 
lot of like mid back stiffness and things like this is something I see like bread and butter on a daily basis. Um, but interestingly enough, I treat a lot of like extremities. So like, um, shoulders, elbows, wrists, ankles, knees. And I think that's because of, I, I do work with a lot of athletes and a lot of these people end up having extremity issues rather than spinal issues. Um, but on a daily basis, like if I had to summarize and give you like a top five things, maybe that like I see on a daily basis would be neck pain, uh, headaches, low back pain, uh, shoulder pain and probably like we'll call it like hip and hip and knee pain probably those are probably like the big the big five and then elbow pain is probably up there too and 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 you would see those types of common uh things pop up no matter the type of fitness level or the specific sport they're doing yeah you know you might expect that uh, someone who's doing like CrossFit or high level resistance training would be more prone to certain things like mm -hmm. back pain or something. But in reality, a lot of times these are the people who are doing like the homework and the accessory work to keep their bodies optimal as, as much as possible. Um, so I actually end up seeing, I think a lot of these issues throughout the spectrum of, of people, um, especially people who are deconditioned and aren't active on a regular basis because their body isn't apt or isn't able to handle a stressor. So I always kind of look at, you know, when does something like this occur? It's when your tissue, de the demands on your tissue are, are higher than your capacity for load. So if your body can only tolerate this much, but you're asking it to do this much, then what's going to happen is you're going to basically have an injury or something uh, occur over time, you know? Um, so in terms of, you know, specific populations, it's not really specific to a certain type, but yeah, certainly all kinds of people, whether it's, let's say tennis elbow, for instance, on the, on the outside of the arm could be related to something where we're working from home and we're typing and mousing and doing a lot of that stuff constantly, or could also be related to that athlete who's working on their backhand serve a lot, right. Or working on their golf game. So something or back, you know what I mean? Backhand tennis. I'm not a tennis star, but uh, you know, it, it's not really specific. I think to the athlete, there are some that are specific to athletes um, based off of their sport. Um, but in general, very wide spectrum across all kinds of people. Cause it, it really, again, comes down to capacity versus demand. Mostly society looks at sort of, um, issues, right? Like, or like finding the root of the issue, right? Like it's like most of the time, I'm sure you get people that come in and they kind of sort of complain, they have a, a pain in their shoulder or arm. Um, and that's the assumption that it's, it's that right. But then telling a practitioner like yourself more and more about the problem, you know, then you start talking about the entire system and the root cause of it. Right. Um, right. How, most people don't really fully understand that. Right. Most people obviously can't diagnose that. Right. Um, how do you get people to start understanding that like the body works in a system that way? And that like, just cause the pain is somewhere, doesn't mean that's like the issue. Right. Cause I mean, I had, I, I remember I had some problems with a front rack and I would just like demolish my wrists and demolish my elbows and just try to get it into a spot. Like I was, I was ready and like, I was able to be like in a good front rack position and I, I had no idea what the issue was. Right. Um, I just said like, Oh, I have bad mobility in the front rack position. So I would like, I would literally like stretch out my wrists and stretch out like my elbows. And then I find out that it was probably more thoracic or thoracic spine area. Like, how do you get people to kind of understand? Uh, Cause I mean, I could have done more damage. I mean, I might've, but like, what is, what is your opinion on sort of that sort of topic? 
Yeah. So I always, not always, but I often say to patients, uh, don't go chasing pain. It's one of those things where if you, if you have like a painful spot on your shoulder, uh, majority of time, it's not related directly to that spot. You know, pain is just merely a signal that says, Hey, there's something going on. But if we chase pain and we go to that spot and we don't look elsewhere, then we're missing the bigger picture. Um, and again, when we think about pain as a signal, it, it literally is just the body's way of saying there's something here, sends a signal to the brain, brain interprets that, sends it back down to that general area. But we know also that pain is, is vague. Pain descriptors are not that great. Locations are not always specific. And the cause of that problem could be entirely not even close to that spot because that's just where the pain is. It doesn't mean that that's where the problem site is. So I often give uh, the, the foot the foot and the hip and low back is a pretty standard example I give to people. A lot of it comes down to education. I'm pretty big on education. If anybody's seen me, they know I like to talk about the body and the anatomy and the mechanics. And because I think the more you know uh, as a as a user of your own body, the better you are at, at figuring things out on your own and kind of troubleshooting. Okay. But I often give the analogy of the foot. And let's say your foot, uh, every time you hit the ground, you're standing on a slant. And when you're on a slant, what that's going to do is it's going to cause your knee to move inward towards the opposite side. And then let's say your hip drops a little bit to compensate for that. Well, clearly this is going to have an effect on the hip and the low back because this is what's supporting your spine, right? So versus if you, you hit the ground flat every single time. So certainly you look at a client who has low back pain, um, but if you don't examine their foot, for instance, or you don't examine what's going on when they're walking, um, then you're missing a lot of the picture. So a lot of people come in, they're like, oh, my back, it's on fire. Like I, it's right in the middle of my spine. It hurts so bad, da, 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 da. We do a history and a physical. And then I tell them, hey, you know, I think the problem is in your, your hips and your glutes aren't strong enough to support your back. Or maybe your foot is biomechanically not moving correctly. We got to get your foot stronger or we got to put an orthotic or we got to do something else in there to complement that to actually help the mechanics from the ground up to affect that chain, if you will. Um, and a lot of times people, if you don't tell them education, they're going to be like, well, what, is, what does that mean? How does that make sense? Why are you going to work on my foot for my back or my, you know, my mid back for my elbow. But if you educate people and you show them anatomy and pictures and you kind of uh, use your own body as a demonstration and stuff, you can often get people to kind of put the dots together. Um, and then the final piece on that is actually like getting improvement. So if I'm like, Hey, Chad, you know, your elbow problem is because your mid back doesn't extend properly. So your elbow is in a compromised position. If you if fix your mid back, your shoulder gets into a higher position, your elbow gets into a higher position, bingo, problem solved. And you're like, well, that's crazy. I'm like, well, try this. We'll reevaluate in a few weeks and we'll see how things go. And if you try it and there's no improvement, then maybe we're down the wrong path, the wrong hole. Maybe we got to go from path A to path B to path C and figure out what works for you. But if you work on that mid-back problem, all of a sudden your front rack's getting more comfortable. You're able to stand it up a little bit better. Then you as the user are like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Now this makes sense to me. I've had an instant sort of uh, response, if you will. So I think education is, is really key. And that's where I think a lot of times people get lost in the confusion of, we'll call it uh, like manual therapy or body work, whether it's chiro, physio, massage or anything. There's a lot of times there's like, diagnosis of problem and treatment but between that you're lacking that communication and that education um and i think that's really key for that oh that's cool no I've, i yeah that, that totally makes sense and i think that's 
one area that I think the general population could really learn a lot from is, you know, I mean, I guess that's what you pay so much money to go to school for and learn. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the, the thing that, again, going back to the touching on the, on the pandemic, if I can, um, you know, uh, we, we had the opportunity to do virtual appointments and a lot of my colleagues were like virtual appointment. How do you like, you know, you can't adjust a patient virtually. You can't do acupuncture virtually. You can't do a lot of the things we do in a hands-on profession virtually. Um, but a lot of people in my field also looked at it and go, well, I, I talk to people, I educate them, I show them pictures and videos, I get them to do stretches and exercises. Um, and, and this is a great opportunity to maybe have somebody learn more about their own body. So I was doing a lot of virtual appointments for a little while there. Um, and I still do some here and there. Uh, and, and it's been great because a lot of times people are able to make that connection quicker because I can't use my hands to like guide their body or, or fix that issue and make it feel better. So it's a lot of like, okay, like we're going to have a, a Zoom call or, or whatever, and uh, we're going to chat and, and figure things out. And I want you to try this and this, and then they, you can see the gears turning. Um, so it's been, it's been a really cool experience to work a little bit more on that, that communication and that education. And it's empowering for people, you know, because then if something else happens again in the future, people start thinking more in terms of like, uh, like systems like globally versus isolating that, that one shoulder pain. They start thinking, oh, when I talked to Kyle before and we said my mid-back was maybe related to my elbow, I wonder if that's possible with my foot and my hip. And then they start kind of looking at things in a different way and it affects training too. And people are like, well, why does Coach Adam always say for me to do this with my, my glutes and my core when I do this or to pull my shoulder blades down and back in that position? And they start kind of putting things together outside of just the pain perspective, but also looking at training in, in a bigger picture. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to dive into sort of kind of what we started with when we were defining injuries and stuff like that. I wanted to kind of go through the scale and sort of, I think one of the things that I would like to talk about today is like recommendations for overcoming some of these speed bumps and sort of um, some things that you would sort of recommend to people. So like, I think we can start with the scale of like, let's call them minor setbacks and speed bumps and then sort of injuries and then sort of chronic issues. Let's, let's go up the kind of the scale. So like, starting with sort of minor setbacks, um, what would be some, some sort of, and I know that's obviously you can't, you have to generalize this, but like recommendations for over, overcoming them, like in what kind of things would you sort of include from recovery to fitness to whatever? Um, yeah, let's start yeah. there. So why don't we, why don't we use like the lower back as an example? Um, just cause like 80% mm -hmm. of the population will have low back pain at one point in time. Cool. And then that way we can also kind of use that as a, as a framework. Sure. Um, yeah. Just keep it consistent if you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, so a minor setback, we'll start with that as like, we'll call that like grade one is like a minor setback. I would define that as something a little bit more than delayed onset muscle soreness that you get from a workout. Like let's say you do a bunch of kettlebell swings and coach ADJ is yelling at you, telling you to get the big, huge one up and swing it like crazy because you're back into doing your parking lot workouts. And like the next day, it's a little bit more than just like a muscle soreness. Like you, you got a little bit of maybe reduced mobility or hesitancy when you're, when you're doing certain tasks around home and you have a little bit of discomfort, we'll call it. That's what I would call like a minor setback. Anything that limits you a little bit from doing uh, your activities of daily living or training in the way that you want to. Okay. So I, I would take that approach with the low back and then say, it might be like a very low grade muscle strain, something okay. very, you know, benign, not a big problem, 
should resolve on its own uh, within like three to five days kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I would say is like our minor setback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we want it to scale up to go to... So the, I, oh yeah, go ahead. Go so ahead. I was going to say with the minor setback, like is it really just... Um, cause I, I think everyone can relate to this, right? Like you tweak something, you know, something didn't feel right. You wake up the next day for sure. And your, your mobility is uh, a little bit uh, lower. Um, mm -hmm. Is the recommendation to kind of get through that really just sort of time? Is it active recovery? Is it take some pain medication? Is it just get better sleep the next mm -hmm. night? Like, is there, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot about no, the recommendations. Oh, all good. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so minor setback, we'll call it very, very small, uh, maybe a, a little bit of a, a ligament sprain or strain, very, very mild. Um, typically I don't want people to push through pain at this point. So if you are having pain and, and it's in this kind of like, you know, little tweak, we'll call it, mm. um, you, you don't generally want to push through pain because that is your, you're kind of at a, a, a teetering point, like a seesaw. And if you go too far one way through pain, you might make a bigger issue by the seesaw tipping all the way over into that kind of speed bump around right, the next right. chapter. So I generally get people to be very careful with their movements, um, still move, still do exactly what you can otherwise. Like I often don't have people res uh, restrict their exercise. I just say, hey, there's some caveats here. If it hurts, I, I give the stoplight analogy. I don't know if we've gone over that in the past, but this would be a good point to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, so stoplight, you have you know uh, green, yellow, and red, right? So green light pain is from zero to three out of 10. This is our, don't worry about it. Uh, it's not going to be a problem. Keep doing what you're doing. Yellow light pain is from four to six out of 10. And that's our, okay, like this is maybe an issue. You need to be very careful and mindful. Do not push further or you could hit the red zone. And red light pain is from seven to 10 out of 10. And that's our shut it down. Stop what you're doing. You're at risk of further injury. Okay. So I often give that analogy to people in this kind of minor setback and say, hey, follow the stoplights when you're doing your gym class or you're doing your laundry at home. Uh, and as long as you're in that green light kind of pain from zero to three out of 10, have at it, no problem at all. If you approach that yellow, be very careful and do not go past that at all and be very mindful of not staying in that yellow zone. So if you're like doing, again, I'll go back to kettlebell swings because that seems to be an aggravating movement for a lot of people. Uh, if you're doing your kettlebell swings and your back's a little tweaked and uh, you're going, let's say it's a set of 21, 15, nine type rep scheme and you're at like, you know, 18 and your back is really sore and you're getting into that yellow category, then I would say just shut it down there. Don't push it too much further. And then you go to the 15 and let's say it's the same thing. You're getting to your know, rep 12, 13, and it's creeping up into that yellow light category. Again, maybe drop the weight, drop the reps, be very careful, focus more on the movement rather than um, getting like the workout done, if you will. So that's a general recommendation is, is try not to push through pain, but don't limit your activity so much because we know that movement's really good at helping to get things moving, okay? Right, right. It helps speed up that recovery process because it improves blood flow and, and all this other good stuff to your, cool. to your tissue. So I'd say, um, you know, don't push through pain, but keep active. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can do your, your, uh, home recovery stuff, whether that's, you know, applying uh, heat or, or ice, which uh, is a bit controversial now with, with the ice. Um, maybe we'll, we'll get into that at a later time. Um, but, uh, or maybe your Epsom salt baths or your, uh, your massage guns and, and all these, these things, these tools are fine 
to be used at this point in time. Um, they're not going to really aggravate things unless you're you know, like really, really getting in there really deep. So generally speaking, I, I find with people using that. Then we get into the extra things like, uh, like sleep and nutrition and all this stuff. And sleep is a big one. That's when the healing takes place. So make sure you're prioritizing sleep. Make sure you're being mindful of your nutrition. Um, if you know there are certain food groups that really uh, cause you inflammation or cause you to have uh, like more soreness or stiffness in the joints, some people find this is the case with like nightshade vegetables or certain things. Maybe you want to limit your intake of that for a period of time um, until things heal up. So just be mindful of the nutrition, but nothing to really change or tweak in the interim. Um, at least for our minor setback. So right. again, I'll summarize. We have minor setback, which is kind of like our grade one issue. Um, follow the stoplight analogy. Keep exercising and working out, but still follow that stoplight analogy. And just be mindful of your sleep and your nutrition and your water intake. And you can use your extra tools at home, your stretching and um, your, your recovery tools and, and things like that as well to help get you along. Cool. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's keep going up the staircase, up the scale. So sort of after, mm. after this area, we're moving up closer, getting closer yeah, to injuries. We are getting closer to the, the big, bad injury. Um, I, I, okay. So, so after minor setback, uh, let's say is we'll call it speed bump. Okay. And I call it speed bump because we're not quite at an injury point yet. Um, but we are past a minor injury. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're at a point now where the body is saying, okay, we are in a precarious spot. We need to make sure that we don't go even further. And this is where certain things will have to be restricted. So again, going back to the low back, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to our kettlebell swing analogy. Let's say you do a bunch of swings and maybe you were in that, uh, that minor injury kind of area for, for a couple of days, minor setback, sorry. Um, and things are stiff and tight. And then you go and you go to pick up your laundry basket from the floor and boom, something happens. Your back gets real stiff. It gets real tight. It locks up on you. Mobility is limited, um, hurts to go in certain directions. This is kind of what I would describe as a uh, speed bump, if you will. Reason being is because it doesn't sound like a uh, significant or severe injury, but it is definitely something we need to work on. It may take longer to resolve on its own. It may need professional guidance. It may need structured exercises and stretching versus just general movement and recovery at home. Um, and, and this is something where, again, I have people follow the stoplight analogy. It's a very common theme. It's, it's just because it's easy for people to visualize and to tune into throughout the day. But there will likely be restrictions at this point. Like, okay, you know, I don't want you doing kettlebell swings. I don't want you doing certain forward hinge movements that would further aggravate this. And this might be something as opposed to like a small muscle strain. It could be like a little... Uh, like a joint irritation or maybe like a disc bulge or something like this uh, um, or, or something a little bit more sinister where the, the structure of the, the, the tissue is not injured. It's not damaged per se significantly, but it is certainly irritated and it's certainly causing an issue. Um, so, so I guess uh, recommendations for this are um, follow stoplights, still be active, uh, but with the restrictions that you're given and do not push past those or do not, uh, don't follow to temptation and try to kind of, Oh, doc Kyle said to not do this. I'm feeling pretty good today. I might give this a shot. Just follow the recommendation and, um, and and keep on course. Okay. Uh, and then you'll probably at this point want to seek some sort of professional guidance, whether that's physio, chiro, massage, uh, osteo, whoever your, your 
your guy or girl is who helps you out. Um, and uh, with this, they should say, okay, you know, Chad, there's this problem with your low back. I want you to restrict A, B, and C, and here's some specific stretches or exercises or activation drills I need you to do for this problem for this amount of time, this many times a day, or something like this, a little bit more structure. Uh, and then this should, again, heal on its own, but probably longer. You're probably looking anywhere from like three weeks to six weeks, okay? Uh, and, and that is what I would define as a speed bump, is something a little bit more, but not to the point where we really need to like do some damage control. Um, I, I, I'll share like a personal experience about this. Like, so when the gyms were open in the fall, we were doing like a strength build and we had, uh, hit some PR back squats and I was super pumped. And then I did like, a what did we do? What did we do there? We did a run as well, like a five and 10 K PB run. And then the next week on Monday, I went to go just regular LP squat day. And this was like, we had already hit PRs and this was just like working on like, I think higher reps at this point, lower weight. I'm like building up like a warm up set of like 135, like not too crazy. Um, literally the second rep, like boom, like my back, like went out, I hit the floor. I like coaches, like, did you black out? I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm, I didn't black out, but no, I'm not getting back up and putting this on my back. Like I'm not. I know other members have had similar experiences where they've done something like that uh, at the gym or, or elsewhere where you kind of have a, a feeling where danger, you know, and that's kind of the feeling I had there. I was like, you know, I probably could keep going, but I haven't done a full exam on myself or, or somebody hasn't examined me and I don't really know what's going on, but I think it's this. Um, and I need to be very cautious because of that. This is a speed bump. A lot of people get like that, like spidey sense of, I shouldn't yeah. push further or I'm at risk of going to injury. Uh, and, and my back was like really bad for two and a half, three weeks. Um, and I, again, going through the recommendations, what did I do? Okay. Well, I, I had somebody assess me. Uh, we figured out it was like a really bad, like just a sprain of my SI joint, um, bad enough where I, I needed to be very careful with things. I, I didn't do any squats. I didn't do it really any forward hinging movements or any major movements of my back. Uh, and what I did was I went on like the assault bike instead in class. Or I would do movements where I could still keep active without irritating that to improve my blood flow and to, to keep me mentally sane as well. Because having an injury as an athlete um, is so frustrating and everybody can relate to that. Uh, so, you know, keeping yourself active and, and, and fit and motivated as much as you can. So for me, the assault bike was the only thing I could do that didn't cause pain. No problem. Go crazy on the assault bike. And after like two and a half weeks of that, like things started to come along. And then I started, um, you know, getting back into classes and, and doing some more squats and testing the waters. And then by like week three, towards the end of week three or four, I was basically back to full form. And there was a lot of structured stretching and exercises and, and therapy in there. Um, but this is a speed bump. You know, a lot of people would look at that and go, holy cow, like I've like blown a disc and I'm going to be out of commission for my rest of my life. And I'm never going to be able to squat again. Um, but in, this is where having some sort of guidance, uh, from an, an overseer, like a therapist can be very helpful for reassurance or to at least be like, you know, m- maybe not, we're, we're not there yet, but you should be mindful of these things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a, a, a personal experience for me. So it, ha- it happens to everybody. Totally. I think a lot of members can relate to that. I think, um, and one, one, sorry, Chad, one thing I, 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 again, why I, I like to call them speed bumps is you're driven down a road and you have no idea there's a speed bump coming and you hit that speed bump and you're like, everybody in the car is like, whoa, boom, <laughs> you know? And you're like, oh my God, my suspension, it's gone. 
but the next time you drive down that road, you're probably going to be like, oh, I remember something, right? That's the mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it's the same thing with speed bumps with the human body is you, you have an injury, not suspectingly, perhaps you have a big injury, a speed bump, and you hit that bump and you have this big problem. And for a second there, you're like whole brace for impact. Things are not good. But the next time you go down that road, you should have the understanding of, oh, I've been here before. I understand there may be a speed bump coming in this training plan that I'm doing or something like that. And I, I will brace for impact, but I won't, I won't freak out. I won't freak out. So again, that's just one of the things why people are like, why do you call them speed bumps? I'm like, well, this is the only analogy I can remember. I think that's great. I think that makes total sense. I, I, yeah, that's, that's no, that's great. And thanks for sharing your experience. Um, Cause I think, I think a lot of members can relate to that. Cause I think, um, and I, I think generally people, anybody that works out on a daily basis, right. If you're working out five to six times a week um, in any sort of fitness, I'm sure you've experienced it. So um, yeah, very relatable. Um, and then I guess, I guess kind of leading to what you were going to say, uh, go to next injuries. So yeah, obviously that's kind of like the bigger deal. So what can you tell us about injuries? So, yeah. So let's say injury is our stage three or something like that. Um, it is the, the thing where there is now uh, something done or, or happens to the body where it is likely going to need some sort of external uh, either treatment or, or work done in a specific way to improve your situation. And again, going back to the lower back, this might be something like, okay, you had a small sprain and then you maybe, let's say again, going up to that second speed bump, you had a bigger sprain or you had maybe a, a, a disc bulge in, in stage three, again, going back to our kettle swing person, uh, maybe you had a, a disc herniation or you had something a little bit more um, bigger where you, you have more structural problems of the back. And this is one of the things where I, I start to use the word structure because we, in the manual therapy word world, uh, we throw around words like instability or stability or things like that all the time. Like if I say to somebody like your shoulder is, it's not stable and this is why you're getting pain. A surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon would look at me and go like, what are you talking about? They, if they're unstable, they should be having surgery to stable it back up. Right. Uh, or make it more stable. But in our world, we, we understand stability comes in many different forms. You have to have muscular activation and things like this to, to get the muscles uh, working again. So, so when we look at an injury, there's usually a structural problem. So uh, with the back itself, you, you might be having a disc ball or a disc herniation or something like this. You may have had a, a fracture of the back. You may have had something else where you've you know, torn a muscle, uh, where we're starting to get to a point where you're going to need a little bit more activity modification. For a longer period of time, uh, you might need to look at some sort of uh, supplement and or medication to get you through some sort of painful period if needed. Um, a, a lot of times medications are frowned upon, um, and I'm certainly not somebody who endorses medication. I can't prescribe medications. Um, so it's not something that is, is high on my, my list. Um, but there are times where you are sidelined from, from moving and exercising and doing your rehab work due to discomfort. So if that means using a supplement or a medication or something like that for a short period of time, uh, th this is the, the place <clears throat> for that is this injury situation. Um, and then it would also look at, okay, you need structured work at home. You know, maybe you can't do any stretches or exercises for a period of two to three weeks because you just physically can't, you know, this is your opportunity where you need to you see somebody for treatment or you need to see somebody to kind of put together a care plan for you. 
And then once you're able to start doing things, you should start doing things as soon as possible um, without aggravating things. You know, I always want people to be moving as quickly as possible, as much as possible without making things worse. So we might say, okay, you can't do much, but you can lay in your bed and tilt your hips. Great place to start. Let's build off of that. But this should be done very carefully because if we're dealing with a structural injury, uh, then this is where we need to be careful not to have to, you know, you gotta be careful that things don't worsen long-term because this is where chronic, chronic issues can occur. And it's not to say that chronic issues can't occur with, with our minor setbacks and speed bumps, but they're more likely to occur after like a big injury type situation, if not healed correctly. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, so I guess, uh, Injury encapsulates kind of what you're saying, but also like whether it's like an ACL strain or like a post-injury or post-surgery, like that's all sort of part of this bucket, right? Like whether it's an elbow surgery or you you tore something in your knee, this is all part of this bucket, correct? Yeah, so it, it's so hard to like articulate because um, there's really no definitive point, yeah, right? Of course. Like, and it's very subjective too, like somebody might have uh, a strain of their back muscle and they might think that they have an injury. And as we already talked about, this is where seeing somebody for guidance can be helpful. Cause then it's like, okay, no, Chad, you don't have an injury per se. You have this little setback and while it might seem like a very big issue to you, research tells us that you're likely going to be okay within this certain time frame, And these are some things you can do to push you in the right direction. Um, but to somebody, they might have like a, the, the back strain and, and think completely like, ah, whatever, it'll go away on its own, you know? So there's very different ways of looking at things. And this is why it's so hard to define, like, where is that, that point? Like, where is it an injury? And that's where I usually look at things like structure. Have you, have you torn a ligament? Have you fractured something? Has something exploded inside of you? Um, have you, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. is something not the way it should be now that's leading to it becoming a problem? And yeah. it doesn't have to be one thing. It doesn't have to be like a big back squat or deadlift that herniates a disc it could be something like you have a muscle we'll call it imbalance and you've been just grinding away over time and your rotator cuff, all these thrusters and stuff. And all of a sudden that poor little rotator cuff goes, eh, I'm done in it. You get a partial tear, you know? Mm -hmm. So it could be something like that too, where it's cumulative over time, it's still an injury, but different sort of mechanisms. So you see how, how it can get a little bit blurry. Um, yep. Yep, for sure. which is why I, I avoid usually using um, the word injury. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the best way I could summarize that is is without putting a, a direct label on it. And I think I, I think most people like understand like the physical therapy and the sort of the active recovery and the sort of the the stages of getting back to you know fitness in regards to fitness. But like also during that challenging time, like you said, like the first few weeks where you're like fitness is possibly not even possible for you. Um, what do you say about nutrition and sleep? I imagine those two are obviously those are again, key factors that you now can control. Right. And maybe those are the things that you kind of have to focus on. Huge, 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 huge importance. Uh, your body's time to recover is at its best when you're asleep because you're literally doing nothing else. You know, your brain is devoted to healing at that point in time. There is so much literature and research that looks at sleep and chronic pain and sleep and injury recovery. So uh, just make sure you're prioritizing your sleep. Don't make excuses. Um, sleep is, is very, very, very important in this stage. Um, and that's not to say that you need to lay in bed rest because that will make things worse for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but sleeping at night is, uh, is definitely something to focus on. In, in terms of how, how much, it's very uh, dependent person to person. 
I usually like a general recommendation of seven to nine hours, depending on, you know, what you can accomplish. Like for me, I'm in that kind of six and a half to seven and a half range. And I could just, sorry, I was gonna say, but could you just say an hour more than what you usually sleep? Like when you're not injured, Mm -hmm. say you sleep, whatever. And then during injury Um, time, would you just say mm -hmm. try to attack on another 60 minutes? I would say it would be, uh, individual uh based on the context of the injury because there are some injuries where i might not want you laying for that long because you're going to pressurize like the discs in your spine and that's going to make things a lot worse so there are some situations where i I actually get people to modify their sleep in a different way uh i would say like maybe for our setbacks or minor setbacks and our speed bumps yes double down on sleep if you can go to bed an hour earlier don't watch that show on netflix or whatever um and maybe try to get a little bit more sleep for sure but there are some times when we're dealing with an injury per se where you you want to encourage more motion um so so i'd say dependent on on the specifics for sure in terms of nutrition protein is a big one so if we think about our immune system and our uh our our system that heals our body our um we look at all this and they're all made up of proteins and you know while you know, you look at the whole body and it's not like you need to eat like a whole more, uh, like another dinner per se, but I do have people, uh, be a little bit more mindful of their protein intake during injury to increase it a little bit. It doesn't have to be a lot. Um, but I would say that, you know, typically for an athlete, it, we might be eating anywhere between like, uh, the research used to say like 0.8 grams per kilogram. Now we're kind of in the realm of like 1.2 to two plus, depending on what we're doing. I would usually just have uh, a conversation with them and say like, Hey, look, if you track your, your protein intake, maybe bump it up by 20 grams in a day or bump it up by yeah. whatever's uh, appropriate for their weight, assuming they don't have any other health conditions that that would be a concern. Um, so, so yes, increasing protein. And the reason why is because like I said, your uh, your the system that helps heal your body and heals these injuries uh, runs off of proteins. It's made up of proteins, but your muscles are also made up of water and proteins and a, and a few other things. So if you've injured a, a muscle, um, or something along this line, you really want to have a little bit more protein in your system to help encourage that from not leaving your, your tissue. Um, so yeah, that would be a good recommendation as well. Maybe so, uh, increasing sleep a little bit, uh, injury specific, and then maybe increasing protein as well for a short period of time, just to help prevent there from being any protein, you know, deprivation, yeah. uh, for that healing problem. No, that's cool. I, I, I remember when you were telling me about that, I think that's a really, um, obvious but kind of surprising like you don't hear that as a recommendation usually after like uh after an injury in your sort of recovery right it's like very much just like here's some medication for pain drink lots of water right <laughs> and that's usually like you go off and manage it right um so I, I i i love the idea of that kind of recommendation of like yeah sleep is important and i think generally uh we all are getting more information about sleep and the importance of sleep um, but even like upping your protein, like that's very specific. So it's uh, super cool to understand that. And, and there are some other things as well I could mention. Like uh, I use an acronym called CATS, C-A-T-S. Um, and this is something where if somebody has, like let's say they like really done a number and they've like blown a disc in their mm-hmm. back and they're like in agony and uh, they're maybe not the most health conscious person beforehand. Um I get them to limit the fun stuff. I call it cats, you know, caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, mm. and, and processed sugars. And the reason why is a lot of these substances are pro-inflammatory, which could make things a little bit more right. um, aggravated. So whether uh, that's going to make, you know, a, an immediate difference in your injury, hard to say, but is it going to hurt it? 
probably not. Sure. It's probably going to improve things for the better. So I just get people to, and, and you know, we always want to work on lifestyle behavior modification with these people as well. So this can be a good kick in the pants sometimes to, hmm. you know, hey, you know, quit the smoking or quit the drinking or mm-hmm. eat better food and not processed sugars and lower your caffeine intake. So these are things I, I often get people to work on as well. Cool. All right. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, and then water intake. Sorry. Yeah. Make sure you drink lots of water. Got it. Um, all right. So stepping up the scale to the sort of the top of the scale, sort of chronic, chronic pain, chronic issues, however you want to say it. Um, yeah. Where do we so, go? Yeah, this is, um, complex because the world of chronic pain is very, very intricate. We are learning so much about chronic pain now. Um, and it, it, it is more of, I, I would say more of a, uh, an issue of sensitivity in your body rather than structural problems. So, um, I'll, I'll nerd out for a little bit. If you injure a part of your body, let's go back to, you know, Kevin doing his kettlebell swings and he's, you know, let's say he had a disc herniation and he had an injury and then he had uh, appropriate care. He went to his family doctor they did an MRI. He saw his physiotherapist and they got him doing some good hip hinging drills and they got his back stronger, his core stronger. And he's gone back to his like LP classes and he's, you know, doing good, but he gets like a constant pain after certain movements or there are certain workouts that put him out of it for a little bit. And maybe this isn't every time it happens, but it's becoming, you know, a regular problem or, you know, let's say Kevin develops like a constant lower back pain that maybe prevents him from going back to LP classes. You know, what we know uh, with, with the brain is that the back hurts and you have nerves there that send a signal to your brain. And then your brain interprets that and goes, okay, painful problem. We need to make the body aware of this. Uh, okay. Send pain signals back down. And then, so you have this, this cycle of, you know, receptors and, and nerves in your back screaming to your brain and your brain screaming back to that problem area. And what can happen over time is your brain can actually start to uh, feed into this more. And you can actually have uh, basically like cortical or, or a cortical reorganization or in a, a nicer way of saying that is that your brain can change its organization and change its structure a little bit um, to favor that more and to pay more attention to that. So this chronic uh, injury of the back has now maybe become more of a, I hate the word like a mental thing, but maybe it's a brain game, you know, or maybe it's like 50, 50, again, we'll never know the exact contribution, but there's certainly a huge, 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 huge undeniable element of how the brain plays into this. And this is often uh, like the word neuroplasticity where the brain has some ability to adapt and to change. And this is why managing chronic pain is so difficult because people are like, oh, my back hurts. Uh, from those kettlebell swings I did when I was 18 and it's hurt for 25 years. Well, I look at that and go, okay, shoot. Yes. They may have had a structural injury, but now they've been like thinking about it nonstop for that 25 years. And now the brain is telling them they have an injury when maybe they don't have an injury anymore. Maybe they have a fear response to movement uh, or maybe they have the belief that they're injured when maybe they not be actually injured in the flesh anymore, but there's something that their body's telling them that they are. So um, maybe again, a little uh, side on that, but so chronic pain is very, very complex. And when we're looking at how to best manage chronic pain um, in, in, in how recommendations go, it'll be very, very individual specific. If it's a, I get like a chronic, you know, let's say my, my upper back neck area gets chronically tight after I do a specific movement at the gym, 
like a conversation of, okay, well, if it's only this movement and it only occurs with this, well, why don't we either remove that movement or try some trial of therapy or something else to see if we can correct that. And let's say they've done, you know, everything. You know, I have people come in there. Oh, I've seen, I've seen like three Kairos and a physio. And like, I saw this like voodoo dude from like wherever and like, it's still there and like nothing get rid of it. Can you help? And I'm like, maybe like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they did and what the context was. So we can try. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And then maybe we need to have that conversation of, okay, you know, like, Kevin, every time you do your kettlebell swings and you get pain, maybe we want to start thinking about maybe what can you do instead of a kettlebell swing to have the same sort of taxing effect on your body. Uh, if that's a problem thing for you, we've tried everything we can to get that in your wheelhouse again, but maybe it's not. So that's one option. Uh, another thing might be where there's like a chronic pain that prevents somebody from moving and it's about getting like a whole team involved to manage this person and to work with like a psychotherapist and a chiro and a medical doctor and, you know, a trainer and all this stuff to just work on getting movement restored. Cause there's been years and years and years of faulty movement building up um, as well as, you know, what we talked about before with the brain, how that affects on things. So I, I think that it's very nuanced and it's hard to kind of put a, you know, a, a category onto things cause it's so person dependent, like pain experiences are, are so subjective. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, know if that, if that answers no, that, your that, question at all, but. No, absolutely. And I, I didn't, I didn't know the side of uh, where the brain plays. So, I mean, that's really interesting. So, I mean, maybe in five years you come back and we talk about this and we have some new information. Can I make a book recommendation? Sure. Always love uh, it. The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Deutsch. He's uh, he used to be with the university of Toronto. I'm not sure if he still is, but he's a medical doctor and psychologist i believe um don't quote me on that but it's called the brain that changes itself by norman doidge d-o-i-b-g-e i think uh and it's a really good book that dives into a little bit more about how the brain is neuroplastic and how it has the ability to change and uh uh have effects on on pain and, and certain things like that but it's a really cool read to dive more into that if anybody who's listening is, is interested in this sort of discussion very cool thank you i'll bring i'll lend it to you all right i'm down and I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of books to read from this podcast. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I think we, we, we've really talked about sort of, uh, I guess, the side of reactive uh, around some of the obstacles and similar to how we talked about last time on the podcast and, and the common theme that we really enjoy talking about is being proactive, right? And so um, how, I guess... What are the, I guess the, the obvious things that we've talked about on this podcast for quite a long time is some of the proactive things, right? Recovering that, those types of things. But what is sort of the, the best suggestion that you can sort of give someone that might be seeing a consistent issue or, or is having these aches and pains on a, on a daily basis or maybe they flare up once a week? You know, what, what would you tell them that they need to start doing or continue doing or stop doing? So, um, well, it will depend upon, uh, how severe their issue is. Um, uh, it'll depend upon, uh, what movements or what their, their, their aggravating factors are. And it depends on their goals. Let's say again, going back to our poor buddy, Kevin with his bad back and his kettlebell swings, uh, let's say that, uh, he's like, man, I love kettlebell swings. I want to do them forever. And like, you know, whatever, for some reason. And then, uh, 
it's like, okay, well, let's say we can manage getting back to that. How do we be proactive in, in making sure you can make this happen long-term? And maybe it's working on uh, a certain exercise or, or exposing his back to this position more often. So getting Kevin to do his home rehab and being very structured and uh, being very, you know, on top of Kevin, having phone check-ins or having had Kevin come back and forth to the clinic where I can say, hmm, this is moving better. This isn't, you know, maybe we should adjust or treat this or do that. Uh, and, and, and kind of keeping eyes on Kevin uh, is, is one situation where that can be a, a form of being proactive. Um, if it's, uh, you know, somebody where they're doing a movement that's literally useless to their uh, entire training regimen, but they just want to do it just to say they can do it, but it's causing them a constant problem, then it might be, hey, you know, it might be proactive to just stop doing that, you know? So there's different approaches to take with things. Um, but I think if I had to summarize, like, what does it mean to be proactive? It means like just taking appropriate steps to do your best to try not to have like a speed bump or an injury. Expect to have minor setbacks, you know, like mm -hmm. it's going to happen to the best of us. You talk to like the best athletes in the world. And like I see with a lot of the people, like I, the athletes I work with on an ongoing basis, like they're like, oh, how can I never have this happen again? It's like, dude, like you're in a sport where you are going to punish yourself doing whatever your training is, whether it's dry land training in preparation for your game or it's, you know, doing all your crossfit workouts in preparation for your, your competition. Like you're asking so much of your body, you'd be naive to expect it to never fight back at all. Like, so rule number one is like, no matter how proactive you are, expect to have some minor setbacks. It's going to happen. And I think having this conversation with people at an early point is important where, you know, just because you're young and fit and healthy and you have, uh, an injury or a, a speed bump or something and you get over that and you want to be proactive to prevent that from happening again it's a very important point to say like hey look I get it you don't want this to happen again maybe just in the back of your mind understand that it could very well happen again no matter how proactive you are you could do eight hours of yoga and stretching and be like the most cleanest eater in the world and get 25 hours of sleep if that was possible and you might still have you know this situation occur so expectation versus reality is a really right. big point yeah you i mean you're just mitigating the chances i guess right as, as best as you can it's yeah. not to say it's going to work you know yeah um and there's some people who we do all this work for and they seem to get more injured despite you're doing mm -hmm. all the right things and then it's a conversation of okay well like, what are we doing wrong is there something where we should be doing instead so maybe sometimes the proactive work is too much because they're already taxing their body a lot um yeah. you know and then adding in exercises and stretches can be overdoing the system and we have to dial it back so proactive will be again kind of different for each yeah. person but yeah. mitigating as much as possible yeah and, and I, I mean we're hearing it more right like tom brady lebron james russell wilson they all come out and they say i we spend now one million dollars per year i mean yes Isn't that crazy? their salaries are, are i mean but say it's say it's like 15 percent of their income let's just say that right. it's probably actually right. lower five percent but even like that idea of like spending five percent of your yearly income on recovery it sh just shows like i mean that's their job so i get why they have to do that maybe an average person it's a lower percentage but it is cool to see because i think they they understand the durability like you mean you look at tom brady like you know how yeah. he's just been durable for so long um you you can't think it's just luck right there's there's a ton that goes into it so um and i i i I agree. Proactive recovery doesn't mean you're never going to get hurt, but I think whatever we can do to minimize the, the, the chances of getting hurt or getting set back. 
Yeah, and I think an important point to make as well is when people like are looking at people like Tom Brady and LeBron and all these other people who spend like so much money on their like proactive uh, health and recovery, you know, a lot of times people post like photos and it's like all like they're, they're cupping bruise marks because they'd see someone for cupping like before every game. And it's like, well, maybe Tom needs that, but not everybody needs that. You know, your form of proactive yeah. recovery doesn't have to be spending like a zillion dollars a year on like chiro, massage, osteo, TCM, right. uh, practitioner, everything, you know, it could be buying like an ebook online from Squat University and looking at integrating some of that in your daily regime, if that's what you can uh, have the means to afford or the time to commit, you know, like it's um, another thing to consider. So don't always look at proactive recovery as like, I have to see a person or I need to like go to a place. Like you could do it in your own home with your own resources or online, uh, many different forms. And uh, I just wanted to mention that because a lot of people say they don't yeah. have time for something or, sure. you know, it's where do you want to put your time and where do you want to put your money? Um, so I, I, I often see people make excuses why they can't do things, but it's so easy now go on YouTube and, you know, find some stretches and, you know, at the very least, at least you're doing something. So. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think like you said, prioritization, right? Like, um, I think a lot of people, especially high performers, um, it, it's a journey, right? And sometimes you have to sort of live it to learn about it. Right. I mean, I can, my personal story, um, a few years ago, I had front rack issues. That was when LP was very much into Olympic lifting. And I mean, I'm, I'm to the T, the, the perfect body for uh, Olympic lifting. Um, so like I, I was crushing it. Right. <laughs> um, but like my, my front rack was God awful. I'll have to send you a picture back then. Cause it, it's, it would be interesting to look at. Um, and honestly I went through, I just thought, you know, it's just bad mobility. So I would, you know, use the lacrosse ball. I would look up at Kelly Starlet stuff and he had a bunch of stuff for front rack and I would do that for like a half hour. Um, and then I would even get like Adam to like, you know, or someone to like get the lacrosse ball and just like dig in so, so deep um, on the elbow and on the, on the wrist. I used to wear the wrist guards, but like, it was just, it was awful looking. And then I eventually went to go see sort of a physiotherapist and, and they were sort of doing some stuff and he was, a specialist uh, with uh, baseball pitchers. Um, so he had some diagnosis and, you know, I took an x-ray, but like nothing came back. And then like it, it started getting really serious where it was just like my elbow just like in a front rack position just wouldn't move. Right. It just felt like it locked in. Um, and this is way before I knew you. So, I mean, you would have probably found it right away. But um, <laughs> the, th the thing was like, then I had to find a reason to get a CT scan because I, I knew something was wrong. I started believing that something was wrong. This just wasn't some sort of thing. It was going back to like your structure uh, thing, right? Like at first it started with a minor setback and then it became becoming more like a speed bump and I would just keep crushing it, right? Heavy cleaning jerks and whatever. Um, but eventually I'm just like, man, there's, there's something wrong. And I get a CT scan, found nothing. Do an MRI, found nothing. Took another MRI and finally found something. And obviously you know how scheduling MRIs take forever like this was over a two-month span um and then i found another doctor that was suggesting using some sort of uh, machine that was sort of put some electromagnetic pulses in there to kind of break up the bones and the cartilage because basically what they found was sort of kind of like a bone spur on the elbow and um i i knew someone in toronto um uh, matt nickel he's he used to work for the toronto maple leafs and the toronto blue jays and i asked him i'm like hey like you must have some 
some connections with a surgeon. He, he knew a, a surgeon for, that done some uh, major league baseball players. He's like, I could try to ask him, right? Because like for me, I'm just some random. So he wouldn't. Just, no one would do the surgery. And eventually, I got him to give me a call. I called him and I got the surgery. And it, but like this was like a three year, three year thing to get even to the point of like having a surgery. And then um, had the surgery. And then I obviously I couldn't use my elbow for like, you know, like a good nine months. Um, but the thing was like all through that, like I was punishing myself still through that. And I wasn't really, I wasn't nearly as attuned as my body at that point because I was going through this, some of the things that most people go through, like they don't want to take a step back, right? They just want to keep grinding. And it's just like, if I miss one day, I'm going to miss the second day. I'm not getting the physical fitness in. And it's just like, it's such a hard journey going through an injury, like you said, mentally and both physically. Cause you really need guidance. Right. And I think one of the th biggest things that I learned through that whole experience was like, no matter how, no matter how good the doctor is, right. No one really cares as much as you do for your own health. Right. And you really have to take ownership of it. Like I had to go see a family doctor, get a CT scan. And like, I could have just went to the U S and got a, and bought a MRI. Um, but like owning all those documents, cause I went to so many different practitioners. Right. But you really have to kind of like project manage your own health and, I really learned that because I think that was one of the things that like, it probably didn't need to take three or four years. It could have just took a year if I was more attuned with my body, but I went through that journey and now I'm way more proactive with my recovery. I'm way more proactive with just making sure that I don't go through an experience quite like that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that sort of when they get an injury, it's like, it was my fault, right? Like it, oftentimes injuries aren't your fault, but sometimes they are. And this was one of the things where it's just like, I should have just, been more aware, but I didn't know at the time. Right. So a lot of times people just have to kind of go through an experience and then they just need to make sure someone's there to kind of give them this sort of light saying, Hey, like I can help you by just saying, just take a step back, just relax. Just like, you'll be fine. If you keep going down the road, like this is going to get worse. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get everything you said, like the scale, like the proactiveness. Like, I think I've, I feel like you were like, telling my story like for the past five years <laughs> yeah it's a really interesting story chad it's 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 tough uh, our healthcare system is so good but there's also like uh so many gaps and you know mm -hmm. healthcare is health and wellness we'll say is very different for each person I, I always say the healthcare system in canada does a great job of uh trying their hardest to not let you die and they they do a very good job of making sure that you are alive and they'll give you the necessary tests when they think it's uh, at the right time. But for instance, like, you know, we're seeing again, we're going back to this pandemic thing. We're seeing how much uh, physical health is tied to mental health. And like, let's say that you really, really, really valued having like that elbow, you know, looked at sooner. Um, you know, it's hard because we all, you know, they're like, Oh, it's not an urgent thing. Like you're not, you know, having a, a tumor needing to be removed. So, we'll wait, you know, we can afford for Chad to take more time for this, but for Chad, maybe that's a big deal. And maybe that plays into your like overall health. So people categorize and they, they value things differently at, at different levels. And I think that uh, while our healthcare system is fantastic, um, it, it certainly has its moments. And I think that uh, we, we, as a collective healthcare need to do a better job of like figuring like what is that person's goals and like what's valuable and valuable and meaningful to them. You know, somebody who's not active on a daily basis might be like, eh, don't need that arm. Who cares about that elbow? But you right. were like, get this friggin' thing going. You know what right. I mean? So right. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's very unique, but that's a, it's a cool experience to hear your take on that because 
you're kind of like a very self-aware person and you, you, you want to know how like things tick and how things move and like how to be proactive, like, you know, and it's, uh, it's cool to see and, and hear your experiences kind of working away at that and like the lessons and the values that you've learned. And I think kind of what I touched on before, like, I think that whole process with that elbow will help you better handle other situations that arise with your body as you get older, you know, let's say it's like a, a knee sprain or something else that occurs and you can reflect and think about what you learned from your elbow and kind of approach that uh, in a different way or the same way or however you kind of want to prioritize things. So I think uh, having those different injuries and having those different moments in time can be very beneficial for like your, your global health experience, we'll say. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is like, it's, it didn't really fix it. Right. And like I got, I removed some bone and it's gotten better, but because I had it for so long, you know, muscle tissue. And I mean, you know, this stuff, it, 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 my mobility is still not, it's better than it was, but it's not where it should be. Right. So now I have to be aware that, you know, I'm not, I don't need to do heavy clean and jerks, you know, and if there's a, a light thruster workout in the open, sure, I'll do it, but um, it'll be like a one and done kind of thing. Right. I'm not going to do it yeah. again if I'm, if I, and so it's like, even though like I went through that process and it didn't get fixed, it's just now I, I, I know that I, I, I can still golf. I can, I can throw a ball. Right. Like that, that was a concern early on, right. Leading to a chronic issue possibly. Um, so like I, I definitely, for sure. I think um, if anybody's kind of having, like, having lingering issues, I, I mean, if you ever want to talk to someone that's gone through it, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears if anybody wants to chat about it, but I think um, you also mentioned it's like systems, right? Like I think that's so important because I, I know that now, and even like me and Christine, we've built a system of practitioners like yourself and other people that now take care of us, right? Where before, you know, even at a young age, like you don't need a system. Like I'm not a high performing athlete. I'm just someone that wants to do CrossFit or endurance and I'm pretty young, so I'm good. But like having a system of people around you that take to be proactive is super, super key. And um, I've really kind of harped on that idea of like having coaches around you and, and, and people that can take care of the body and take care. And it goes back to like Tom Brady and LeBron, like the the actual athletes, they, they have a system, right? They have a coach that takes care of this part. They have a nutritionist that takes care of this part. And then they have a, a, a physiotherapist. So it's like building that system around you. If, if I would have had that back then, I would have probably gotten through that a lot easier and a lot faster. Um, so, yeah, so I, I love how LP, you know, our community, you, other like Sid, other folks in the community are kind of building that sort of system, right? That 360 health, right? Proactive health. Um, so yeah, that's, it's really great. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool that you guys, uh, like value that and that you guys are like recognizing that that's an important part of your health. Cause I think a lot of people kind of go through where they take like two steps forward with their health and one step back and they kind of do that throughout their life. And then it comes to a point where they're like older and they have mobility limitations and lingering issues and they're probably thinking that they should have done more about it in, in the beginning phases to, you know, keep their body moving well. And, you know, you, you only have one body and, and I, I try to use as much empathy as possible when I talk to people um, because everybody's goals are different. Everybody is unique, but we have to understand that you have one body. And if your body says that this movement is not good for you, we might have to have a realistic conversation of, Hey, look, like, you know, there's so much else you can still do. Like, yeah, it's annoying that you can't like, grip and rip like a hundred zillion thrusters on a Thursday morning, but 
again, there's so much else you can do. So why not double down on that, you know, as opposed to punishing yourself. And yep. I see this with some people where they love to run, but they have like severely bad knee arthritis. And I'm like, look, you can, you can cycle without pain. You can do so many things like swim. You can do all this other stuff, but you're going to keep pounding yourself like to death, like uh, by running on your knees and, and you maybe shouldn't be. And it's a hard conversation to have with people, but once people understand that they're like, Oh, okay. Like there's so much more I can do, or maybe we try to find a way to like, again, if it's the open and you have to do a thruster workout, no problem, but one and done, you know, maybe they'll do like a run workout every once in a while, but not habitually. So it's, uh, it's good that you're, that you guys are, are you, especially, you know, working on that and thinking about that and taking that into consideration with your training. Cause sometimes we think so like, Oh, I have to do everything on the whiteboard to a T and it's like, well, that's the, the program workout. It doesn't mean that like everybody's going to be able to do that right away or able to do that at all. You have to bend the rules sometimes based off how your body dictates it wants to move. And by no means am I saying don't push it, like push it for sure. And mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot of this back and forth to figure out that maybe this movement isn't good for Chad or, or poor buddy Kevin. Um, but this is something where it, this is life. This is the human body, right? Yeah. And the human body is a pretty cool thing because even with injuries, like you can find ways to still um, do some pretty cool things, right? Like you see, um, and that like adaptive athletes, I mean, CrossFit does a great job showcasing that kind of stuff, right? Where the body, man, it's, it's the amazing, adaptive, right? The adaptive, like I'll see clips on Instagram and stuff of like the adaptive athletes in it, like blows me away. Like what a lot of these individuals can do. Like it's, I saw like, oh man, it's crazy. Like I saw a guy who had like a fully amputated arm and he was like doing like a single arm, like snatch in overhead squat with like a, like a 45 pound on each side, like holding the barbell in the, in the freaking middle of the barbell. And I'm like, what, this is insane. Like I can barely do that with two arms. And like, this guy's worked <laughs> so hard to like make his body like work in that way. And it's, it's so amazing to see like the, uh, the, I, I guess CrossFit specifically like kind of give a little bit more attention and a little bit more um, like competition for the adaptive athletes mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but man, that stuff like really gets me going. It's so, so cool to see like what the human body can do. Like when it's pushed like that, it's, it's remarkable. It really is. It's truly yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And we have all, I mean, we all have our scales of, of going through challenges, right? I mean, that's obviously a much more significant challenge. Um, but yeah, like it, it is pretty amazing what the body can do even under, you know, uh, injury or some sort of physical setback, right? You sort of make up for it. I mean, I did unilateral training for like eight eight months. I didn't even use my my right arm for for so long. I remember just using a dumbbell for like everything. It was always so strange. I was like, "You're just gonna have a, such big biceps on the one side." I'm like, "No, nah, it's not really." But I actually took I took pictures of like to compare my right arm versus my left arm, and like it is crazy how like the body just kind of just balances things out pretty well right like like yeah. the story you just said like you know some guy in in the army and he has an accident and he somehow his body can balance a barbell with one arm it, it, it's incredible it's incredible yeah the human body's pretty neat eh? it's uh, and this is again going back to what we were talking about before like complexities and, and uniqueness and variance and you know there's never a like a, a one-size-fits-all approach mm -hmm. to, to healthcare and how the body moves and reactivity and proactivity it's never you know the same for every person like yeah a glute bridge is a great exercise for your your low back and your hips but 
you know, it might not be the best for every person. So like never follow, um, or, or never assume you have to follow a cookie cutter type program, um, with it, with your health, you know, just cause something works for Chad or for our, again, our buddy, Kevin doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody who feels that they have that same issue. So again, that's where having some sort of like professional oversight can be really valuable, whether that's from a coach or a therapist or, you know, anybody else in your, in your circle or your network. Um, and again, I think that speaks to what you were talking about is, is having those people around you to keep you focused, but also keep your intent there. Cause that's a, that's a big thing too, is, is intent. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, cool. Th- this has been great. Um, I love this topic um, because I think a lot of people secretly relate to this and, and whether they actually share it or not, or it's just like they're continuing to grind out there. Um, I think one of the things that people can learn is like, you know, it's okay to take a step back, right? It's okay to miss a workout. Um, I know we all like to play hard and work hard. Um, but for me, for sure, like awareness of your body and being able to kind of just step back. And I know it, it's, it's hard though, right? Cause it's like, you know, if you don't work out, you don't work out with your friends. It's like, you'll get a message right away. Like, Hey, where were you? Why didn't you show up for the workout? Like what's going on? But it's like, uh, you know, I'm kind of dealing with something and it's like, we do have to get better at kind of like being okay with that. And I think we haven't been gotten better, but the initial reaction is just like, you're, you're lazy. You slept in or like, you know, right. um, that's very CrossFit thing for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's for the better, right? We're playing the long game, right? We're not just trying to win at CrossFit yes. this year. <laughs> Yes, like or whatever stigmatizing, destigmatizing uh, minor setbacks and speed bumps and stuff, and allowing people the opportunity to deal with these things in a, an appropriate way, as opposed to uh, like just cranking through it. And I, I think yeah. what you said, having the awareness of the community again with LP is is important for that because it uh, just further like reinforces everything. You know, it's like oh, you know, if you went to a different gym and, and maybe you know the culture there is like just go 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 time but it's like we understand that 360 health and um yeah so i, I think that's huge i really 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 like that point for sure amazing well dude thank you very much for joining me appreciate it thank you man you're a fantastic host chad i have to say this is <laughs> this is always a lovely experience um thank give you. it up to chad chad what's up what's up what's chad's, up <laughs> chad's a great host. thank you thank you i really appreciate my that. pleasure this is a lot of fun dude i really liked it well, you're a great guest. It's really easy talking to you. And you're, you got a lot of a lot of knowledge. Knowledge is power today, for sure. Dropping the knowledge yes. bombs. Yes. I, 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 yeah, I try to make it. I know it can be, like, overwhelming. So, if there, I don't know if there's, like, a... Uh, is there a comment? Like, I guess there's not, like, a, these aren't posted on YouTube or anything, is there? Uh, we don't yet, but maybe we should. Because, I mean, hey, that hair looks fantastic. Funny, my hair. Oh, that's look at this. <laughs> if uh, if anybody has any questions or anything, uh, just find my contact and just ask me some questions. Oh yeah, so I'm, I'm happy what? to chat if anybody needs some clarification. Or even your Instagram. What's your Instagram? Oh man, the big plug. It's just at dr Kyle Simpson. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah we got we get get you somehow. I think I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say this because I don't want to offend any other guests. But I think you're the smartest guest that we ever had. <laughs> I, I think that, um, I well, guess you're a doctor. Humbled, I, well, kind of, kind of a doctor. I, I think so. It's, it's humbling. Thank you. But I will say that, um, I'm smart in my domain, you know, in my lane, That's fair. I, okay. I, I, I like, I like to think that I know, uh, you know, the research and the clinical skills and whatever's in my lane. 
But yeah. um, if I was to look at someone like Morgan with the three, mm. I am the dumbest person alive <laughs> when it comes to like knowing about uh, sustainability and, and cooking and, you know, making all this like amazing stuff that she does. So I think everybody's like super, super smart in their own amazing, unique way. Uh, but, but thank you. And, you know, I always appreciate that. But I would say that uh, you, you are also very smart because you're like the engineer here, but. I don't want to. But, that no, I, I, I think that's a good way of saying it. You're smart in your domain. I, I like that. And that's why we uh, have such a good community because we have a lot of smart people in their domains. So I like that. I agree. I awesome. Agree. All right, buddy. Till next time. Uh, thank you very much. Have a good day. And to the listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody.